0: Hey, Mickey.
1: Hey, Brian. What's going on, baby? I am just talking to you from the comfort of my home recording studio, a.k.a. the small room in my basement with a bunch of foam on the walls.
0: I was going to say, at some point when we decide to do video versions of this, people will be uh, interested in the decorum that you have behind you. Is decorum? I don't think decorum was the right word there. I would say
1: the decor behind you. The decor. Well, it would be the, the foam hanging on the walls. Hey, and I gotta just, I think I need to turn my phone off. It's either my phone or your phone. Something's causing some.
0: It's not mine.
1: It's probably mine. Let's turn my phone off. I'm sure our, oh no, let's not do the SOS emergency. <laughs> let's just turn the phone off. Yeah, let's, let's
0: not start <laughs> episode 16 of DevOps.FM. With a call
1: to 911. Hi, everybody, and welcome to DevOps.fm, episode 16. I'm Mickey Gousset, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Brian Randall. How is everybody doing today? Oh, wait, y'all can't answer because it's a podcast with just me and Brian.
0: Yes, and as I mentioned at the very beginning, at some point, we might think about doing this live, but not this week.
1: No, no, not this week. So I'm sorry we've been away for a couple of weeks, Um, actually, what, almost three weeks now, I think, but four weeks even, wow, wow, time just kind of compresses when you're stuck at home, but as I'm sure everyone who listens to us has noticed, the world's changed just a little bit, hasn't it, Brian? It's changed
0: a ton, because the last time you and I were together was in lovely Las Vegas, and then you came back and you stayed one extra day with me and then we put you on an aeroplane and the world kind of exploded that next week for us as far as what was happening.
1: Yep. That little pesky little virus COVID-19 decided to just say, Hey world, I'm going to smack you down. And that's kind of what the COVID little 19 did. So yeah, we were in Vegas. We recorded episode 15 with Phil while we were out there. And then I flew home that weekend. And after that, my schedule just completely went crazy.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's been interesting. I um so you left the 7th of March and the 10th of March I was supposed to get on a plane to go do some training in the lovely state of Colorado in Denver of all places. And about 2 3 hours before I was heading to the airport, I got the email, don't go if you haven't gotten on the plane already. And uh so I ended up staying home for that. That Friday, the 13th, my children were told not to come back. They are now on spring break, of all things, having been home already for three previous weeks. And so it's a it's a bit of a hot mess.
1: So, yeah, so I got back. And as soon as I got back, Microsoft put out a no one needs to travel unless it's absolutely necessary kind of message. So I got grounded and all my trips kind of got got canceled. My daughter's 21st birthday was March 10th. However, we were already starting to uh, self-isolate at homes at that point. So I did not even see her on her 21st birthday, which was kind of sad. I did FaceTime her, but she hasn't gotten her presence yet, but she will. And she's off at college being uh, doing remote college from her rental house. And then my other daughter, Meg, who's in high school, is out for the rest of the year doing remote work. And I'm in my house and it's been four weeks since I've seen any of them because Meg is at her mom's quarantined. I'm at my house quarantined and Emma is down at college quarantined.
0: That's kind of sucky. You know, it's interesting because for me that that gig canceled and what I ended up doing was doing it remote. So I just we did it all in teams. Then, you know, we were supposed to have the MVP summit, and that went all virtual, so I did end up going up to Seattle, which I think was a wise choice, uh, looking back. We did a virtual version, both formally with the MVP group as well as we did a short uh, version of something we call MVP to MVP, where we get together and talk, and we had our first couple-hour version of that. It's not the same as being in person, but you do what you do now. And for me, you know, I've been working from home since February of 1997. So in some regards, this is normal. But what's not normal is knowing that, A, I'm not going anywhere, because if you look at just March, I would have gone, I came back from Las Vegas, would have gone to Colorado, would have gone to Seattle, and would have finished the month with Visual Studio Live in Austin. But that got canceled as well. So there's four trips in the month of March that, only one of them happened. And then now, of course, April, trips that I had scheduled, like I was supposed to go to Florida to teach, that isn't happening. That will be remote. Our VS Live Nashville, which I'm completely bummed about for some reason, A, you and I were going to be there. You were doing the keynote. Is my first time in Nashville. And so that's been kind of t- to different. You know, you've worked for, from home for a while, haven't you?
1: Yes, I've worked from home since 2006. And. Some of that was working from home for years without traveling. And then some of that has been I traveled two or three weeks a month and worked from home when I didn't travel. And it's just it's a whole it's a it's just weird. Even being someone who has worked from home as long as I've worked from home, the current past few weeks of of enforced working from home just feels a little different. And I think part of that is just the weight of what's happening out in the world. There are days when I'm just like regular happy-go-lucky Mickey, let's get stuff done. And there are days when I'm just not quite as productive. And I think that that's something that a lot of different people are experiencing. And what I want to tell anybody who's listening, to, to, if you're experiencing that, it's okay. It's okay to not be productive, especially if you're not used to working from home. And it's okay to have good days and bad days.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because I was joking today on another work call. That I was waiting for some things to be, to be finished and it was funny cause I was joking, but my reaction was I'm fairly used to it and I've been lucky. My overall environment has been dramatically changed because I work from home and my family is all here with me. And so, so far it hasn't really changed for me too much. In fact, I'm just as busy, thankfully, for the work I had, but I then go, well, why isn't stuff getting done? And that's because there's a ton of people that are working from home for the first time that may not have a home office. Heck, I've seen pictures online where people are sharing. They don't even have a desk. They're working off of the the worst one for me. And I felt so bad for the, for these people was a couple in an apartment in some city, I forget where, but I think it was the young woman. Her desk was a clothes hamper and a chair in the entryway to their apartment. So behind her was her front door. And then there's her chair, her clothes hamper, and her laptop because her spouse, for whatever reason, was in the kitchen, which was the other place to work. Now, I don't, that was all she posted. And I, it's, you know, I'm not need to get the details, but right, there's obviously these extremes that people are going through. And then you add the fact that I'm lucky in that my children are teenagers. So they, they don't need to spend as much time with me at all to where they're in their rooms as long as the internet works thank the lord uh, and the power works they don't need to necessarily bother me whereas i've seen the cute things and i love it when people's kids come in i did a call that we'll talk about later where uh the audio engineer his uh son came in right when we were getting started and so i know people it's a lot more difficult for them and so i'm trying to like like mickey says it's okay and even people that you know, people like me who don't necessarily have those same problems need to take a chill pill and understand that everybody's situation is different. And there's a lot of people that, you know, find this working from home thing to be very stressful, right? For, for all of And it's the same thing. Like I've seen one of the big ones where like Scott Hansman's been showing people how to do their webcams. Well, even if you have the technology, some people don't want to do it. They're not comfortable, um, for that. They feel maybe pressured for what's behind them. Thankfully, we're starting to get technology to hide the the stuff behind us, right? My office, you know, I get a lot of giggles from people when they see my office because it's you know it's it's a messy place. But uh, yeah, it's it's been difficult. And so yeah, as Mickey says, definitely it's okay.
1: So it's just like it's just weird. I'm just uh, I'm not always on my game. Like today, I'm not necessarily completely on my game. But I wanted to come out and talk to Brian. I wanted to talk to our listeners, and so Brian. We've talked a little bit back and forth about what we've kind of each been up to, but let's start with you in a little more detail. What you've been up to?
0: Uh, well, so because I had to work from home, the good news is uh, when I'm not traveling and speaking or doing consulting at a customer, I generally have to do work from home. And so I've got some existing development projects where I am getting to write code every day as well as work on various DevOps things. Like today, we took a bit of code that we had written for one system and we turned it into a NuGet package because we needed it in two other systems. So a total of three. And it was one of those, you know, pro- progressive or, or more emergent architectures where we didn't know it was going to be a common feature until we'd done about three months of other work. So it was, it's been really nice. So we did that today. So that was a lot of fun. We used a tool called uh, use Git version which is available in the Azure DevOps Marketplace. And so that helped us do some semantic versioning. Uh, on the personal front, you know, it's been nice. I've uh, been trying to do walks with the family so that I don't get larger than I already am. Uh, my wife has been really good about that. She's been making some great meals. Uh, I've only been on my car four times, I think, since I took you to the airport. Um, twice was to pick up food packages. Once was to go to the pharmacy with with my wife, and then I think I had to pick up a package that I couldn't get redirected from my work mailbox to the house, um, and so I had to go pick it up there. So been kind of definitely were very isolated here to the point that the children have not gone out for the house except to go on walks. In other words, they have not been exposed to anybody else, uh, for better or for worse. Um, I'm trying to get competent at Fortnite. Uh, my son mm-hmm. is continuing to <laughs> lay the whoop ass on me
1: brian's son is really really good at fortnite i can attest to that
0: <laughs>
1: in fact we tried to go three on one against him and he he wiped the floor with all three of us yeah,
0: it, was, it was it was pretty gnarly uh uh probably it is like i said i've been lucky because my core unit is all here my children my wife and even my mother-in-law who lives with us the one downside is um My 93-year-old grandmother, who unfortunately is starting to have early stages of dementia and memory loss, lives up the street with us in a lovely uh, retirement community where she gets 24-7 care. I haven't been able to see her since February 27th because obvious reasons. And that's a little frustrating because letters and all those things don't resonate as much with her. Uh They are going to set up Skype calls, it looks like, so we'll be able to try and do that. I'm hopeful that that will work for her. But that's probably been the hardest thing for me is not being able to see them. And even just extended families around me, I'm lucky. My brother lives in town. My other grandparents live up the road. And, you know, not seeing them has is, is been frustrating. And I'm sure for you it's it's been really hard not being able to spend time with your girls. And just the little things like going out to eat in a restaurant.
1: Yeah, I can relate to all of that. So, I mean, I haven't left the house other than I think about three or four times like you. I've had to take, uh, animals to the vet a couple of times. And that's about the only reason I've left the house. Um, for the first time ever, I've tried to do this whole Kroger and, uh, click pick and Instacart where they deliver. And I, it's worked out pretty well for the most part. Um, I, I, I do allow them to substitute things. So sometimes they can't read my mind, but I have found now that they they'll actually text me sometimes when they have a question and you can text them back. So the whole, if you haven't tried this whole Kroger Instacart thing, cause either you're not sure of it or whatever, I've had some pretty good experiences with it. And the people have done a really good job of, of bringing it up to the house They're They actually wait in my, in at least in my neighborhood, they actually wait till you open the door to make sure you're there to get the groceries before they leave. Um, so it's, it's I've kind of, that's worked out pretty well for for getting for getting food to the house. So I haven't left the house, like I said, other than to go to the vet for a couple of times in almost a month.
0: Yeah, I have to definitely give a big you know, thank you and shout out to the Amazon folks, UPS, um, Walmart, and Instacart for dramatically reducing the trips out to the point that we haven't gone out to the store in I think now a full two weeks. My wife and my mother in law had bit that's the, what they typically do. They typically keep the house stocked. And with the five of us plus my son who was doing swimming and water polo, he, he's like two people, two grown men. And so keeping the house stocked, you know, this is something they did multiple days a week. So trying to get stocked up and everything, you know, we, without these services, I'd be really dreading them going out, especially, you know, my mother in law really should be going out because of her age. And so, you know, we've done, Thankfully, you know we did Amazon Pantry one time that worked out well. Unfortunately, though, nothing we ordered before can I order again, which is stressful. Instacart, just got to say thank you to those people. Amazing. We've used it with Costco. We've used it with a couple of the local grocery chains here, and overall it's been good. We had the biggest issue we had was one person when they went to the store, got us some ice cream. Uh, in fact, it was uh, oh cookies Brian and cream. likes
1: his ice cream.
0: And guess what happened, Mickey? Did it melted. No, she forgot to drop it off because it was in probably one of those
1: frozen carriers oh and brian was all excited to have some cookies and cream and then it wasn't there yes I'm a, i was a sad monkey i have traveled with brian when we have gone to places where he thought the gelato shop was supposed to be and it wasn't there and he was not happy when that happened
0: yeah i have i have issues but thankfully uh my wife on the next order stocked up on uh some other supplies and so I am not without ice cream, um, in that. And then the last thing that we've been doing going on is two things I've been doing with a little extra free time is Mickey, uh, God bless you, Mickey. You, you, when he was at my house helped me rack a server that I had and do some cleaning. And in doing so, I've continued on the cleaning because when you, you don't realize when you travel like we do for a living. On an average month, so let's say March had been normal, I would have lost probably a good four to six days of time at my house that a lot of people, like, for example, I travel on Sundays a lot. I'm gone, so that's lost time. So now my wife's been taking advantage of that, and I've been progressively cleaning. Uh, And, in fact, I'll post a link on the show notes of some gems I've been finding, and this month there'll be a lot more. Um, of old software and hardware and uh, devices I'm finding in my collection. And then uh, one of the things we started doing as a family, we realized that the last week, week and a half, we weren't really spending any time with each other. We all would kind of hide in our different parts of the house. So this Sunday we started the James Bond Marathon, and we started with Dr. No. And uh, so tonight we're going to watch uh, For Mushroom With Love. So uh, we're trying to do that.
1: Oh, I will be interested to hear what your kids think of the earlier James Bond movies, especially the Sean Connery and the Roger Moore ones.
0: Well, and that's what's interesting is we were surprised. Uh, my son, who's a goofball, uh, I think he appreciated some of the more outlandish things and, of course, anything blowing up. My daughter, her response was, quote, I really liked it. And, boy, there was a lot of beautiful women was her observation.
1: Um, <laughs> And, you know, there is that one movie in between the Sean Connery and the Roger Moore in Her Majesty's Secret Service, which I've never actually seen, but has some other actor in it. You've never seen it. George Lansby or Lansby, but Lansby.
0: It's actually a really good one. I think uh, it's often. A lot of people don't watch it like you, and it is a really good show, so you should uh, watch it.
1: So I've been taking advantage of being at home to get a couple of things done as well. So I had the floors redone in my house. I had tile put throughout the floor, throughout the house. So my first step after that was to finish redoing my home office. So I got my home office painted. I painted it. Um, I got me a standing desk. Microsoft has been very uh, helpful to those of us that have been, you know, that they've said since everybody has to work from home, there's been some help provided to allow us to do some things such as get standing desks. So now I have two desks in my office. Uh, understandably, I have one of those standing desks that you can raise and lower, but I just keep it as a standing desk. And then I have my other desk that, that I can go sit at. And I just kind of just move my laptop back and forth as I want to because that just works works well for me. I've been working on my audio books more. So, you know, as we have mentioned previously, I record books for Audible. I just finished a book called Molly Bakken. Which is a a Viking book. It's about Vikings in the, in the 10th century. If you've, if you've ever seen the TV show, uh, Vikings that was on the history channel, it's in, it's in its sixth or seventh season now. This is about, it's, it's, has nothing to do with the TV show, but it's based on the same characters that the TV show is based on because the TV show is based on historically accurate characters. So that the, this is a novelization of the same kind of thing. So I've, and then I've also got a young adult series that I'll start working on in the next month or so that'll be coming out in the next couple of months. And then finally, I've made progress on my YouTube channel, Brian. Yay. We need sound effects. Um, that sounded more like a, a, a horse Darth Vader, but that's fine. And, but I, I got enough subscribers now to where I have a vanity URL. So if you go to youtube.com slash Mickey that takes you to my channel. And I have almost finished my series on GitHub Project Boards, which I've got two videos left. I'm going to try to get those done this week, and then I'm going to move on to a series on GitHub Actions.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, you've been really busy uh building up that YouTube channel. And, correct me if I'm wrong, you cracked 100. Have you reached 200 subscribers yet?
1: Not yet. I hit 156. So my goal by the end of March was to try to have 200, and I had 156. So... My my goal for the next three months is going to try to get to, is going to try to get to 400. Now, to get there, I'm going to have to really start cranking up on the content front and start getting more content out there. So we'll see what happens. But hey, if you haven't checked out my channel, there's links in the show notes or you can just go to youtubecom slash Mickey Gousset.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll definitely flag this in the show notes. So if you're not interested in what the heck we've been up to, this is where we'll start talking a little bit about some DevOps stuff. So uh there's been a bunch of good stuff going on, but a couple things that came up uh, was introducing the new pull request experience for Azure Repos. So this is a, a really good example of evolving or taking a feature that was solid and refining it, removing paper cuts, and trying to make it more usable based upon feedback from customers. So we've got a link to uh, the blog post that talks about it. It is currently hidden behind a feature flag, so you'll need to go turn it on if you use Azure DevOps. And the good thing about it is that I was able to record a video with Robert Greene for Visual Studio Toolbox. So as you can expect, Robert, who works out of Redmond, Washington, at Microsoft, he, uh, he's been a little quarantined. And so like a lot of teams, as you start to deal with Being working from home, they've had to rethink how they record these shows. So it will be the first show for Visual Studio Toolbox recorded where Robert, myself, and the engineers are remote. So we had, as I mentioned, one of those work-from-home moments where uh, the sound engineer was getting set up and his five-year-old son came in to say hello while he was getting set up, um, which was a lot of fun. But uh, the show isn't posted yet, but it should be available next week, and I'll update the show notes. But yeah, that was a lot of fun.
1: Well, I hope they leave the 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 little boy coming in and saying hi in the show. I think that would actually be pretty awesome.
0: It would have been nice, but uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, he, uh, this was only during the, where we're getting the sound all set up. The engineer was using a tool called OBS as well as we were recording on Skype because I guess it does a better job of the audio feed and the video or something. So he was getting
1: everything set up. OBS is actually what I use now to record my screen capture. So all the videos I'm doing on YouTube, I'm using OBS. It's also used by streamers to um, stream on Twitch.
0: Ah, well, it's it was on my list to look at. And now that I've got someone who's a quote-unquote engineer, uh, I'm going to
1: be able to bug someone for help. But I didn't know you used it, so I'll just bug Mickey. I am. And still getting a little bit of cell phone feedback. And it can't be me because mine is off. So I don't know where that's coming from. So weird. Okay. I don't know. Um, So have you used the new pull request experience? I, we be honest, I have not.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I do, uh, like I mentioned on this project, there are times when I'm working with other devs. But for some of the work I'm doing, it's really just me writing the code. And as part of a good programming practice, I do feature branches, I do pull requests, and so I use it every day. Um, it's one of those things that I'm not – I'm doing it mostly to take advantage of the workflow. I get the automatic build verification uh running, and it does give me an opportunity just to double-check what I've done before I merge into master. And the big issue is because I'm writing code that isn't just demo code. My code, once I merge it into master, is going to push out the release and the test and then ultimately production. And so that workflow, even though it adds a little time, it kind of, it's that one of those things that's like slow down and breathe, right? Appreciate what you've done and, and don't rush. And it's really saved my bacon a couple of times. So yes, I use it uh, just about every day right now.
1: And it looks like there's some good new functionality in this thing, like adding required reviewers per pull request and... Interesting. Okay. they have got to check this out. More detail. Yeah,
0: they've, they've done a lot of good stuff there. And the blog post is really nice because there's lots of screenshots to get you an idea. I've even created a document, which I guess I can just post on my blog. I went through and did a basic pull request, the old UI and the new UI, so I could see side by side the different screens. So maybe I'll post that up on my blog because uh, – a, lo- a lot of it is subtle, um, and there's some really nice things. There's some things that you may have more of the, uh, who moved my cheese reaction. Uh, but overall it's, it, it is a really nice, um improvement, I think, in general.
1: Sweet. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to seeing you be on Toolbox. I got to be on Toolbox once when it was, when they did, but I was actually in the Channel 9 studios. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see who our dear listeners like better on Toolbox. Hint. Um, If you go to youtube.com slash Mickey Gousset, that's who you like better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
0: cowboy.
1: (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about security analysis. What do you know about security analysis, Brian? Is it important? Is security important?
0: It's very important. In fact, the projects I'm working on all have extra policies in place to validate in my pipelines that, for example, I don't do something silly like check-in credentials. So I'm using the Azure uh, security analysis tools. Uh, so it does cred scan, for example. And then I also am using the Roslyn analyzers to do code analysis of my code. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, and then I'm using a white source bolt to check
1: by open source components for issues. Well, look at you go. I'm impressed, Brian. Thank you. Good job. Because we've got a post in here from um, Tobias about automating Azure DevOps code security analysis with the Microsoft security code analysis extensions. And it's actually um, talking a lot about some of the tools you just mentioned. So, CredScan, Roslyn analyzers, etc., Yep. And this is all some, some things. If you need to be shifting left in your, in your quality, you need to be shifting left in, in how you do things. And one of the ways you can shift left to make things better is to be able to, you know, make sure your code, if you're doing, if you're doing build policies where you're ensuring that the, the pull request compiles correctly and passes all of your quote rules before you merge it into master, you can add the, you know, some of these extensions on there where you're making sure there's no credentials stuck in your code somewhere just to make things more secure, make things better, keep master cleaner. So I think the security, the security analysis tools are really pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And I think the big thing is, are they available to everyone yet? Are they still something that you have to be a, a special customer?
1: I meant to look that up because for a while, it, you had to be a, a certain type of customer to get access to them. But I can't remember at this point whether you still do or not.
0: Yeah, looking at the page, I just went to there while we were jibber-jabbering, and unfortunately it says contact contact us for general availability information. That will take you to create an email, and if you click learn more about our GA offering uh, looks like, uh, you still might have to do this. This is the downside to you and I doing work for Microsoft. We get immediate access to these tools.
1: Exactly. So sorry we don't have that answer for you, but it's definitely something you might want to look into because it is, it does provide you some very helpful tools for you to add to your pipelines.
0: Exactly. So what else we got on the list here? Oh we got an article
1: by Tobias. Is this the same Tobias? It's the same Tobias, I think. Well, Just a different, different. No, wait, no, it's a different Tobias because the last name is different. Interesting. You mean to me, there's, more than, you mean, there's the more than one Tobias in the world? There's more than one Tobias in the world.
0: Oh, man, you're you're doing good there, Mickey. So this article is about automating organization and project creation in Azure DevOps. That's interesting.
1: And I put this in here specifically because this is something that I know Brian has actually written code for several times. I was actually with him on one client when we were writing, we're helping write code to help do project organization or automation and project creation.
0: Yes. Over the years of starting with TFS back in the pre-release days, so like 2004, all the way up to this calendar year, year, yes. Yes. I've probably written code at least once a year to do this. And part of the thing is I can't always give one customer's code to another so I literally have to start with file new and uh, check the latest state. Probably the big thing was changing over the years from, well, first vb.net to more C-sharp. And then with C-sharp, the transition period to where I'm now using the lightweight libraries to talk to the REST APIs, and sometimes I just talk to the REST APIs directly. So, yeah, this is good stuff to have.
1: I got nothing to add. I just thought it was kind of neat that somebody was <laughs> blogging about something that you and I have hacked it a lot to, to make work. Yeah, so that's that's definitely a good one. Uh, what else you got here on the list? I don't know anything
0: about Terraform. Do you use Terraform? I know I, what it does. I have not used
1: Terraform. I have been at customers where they have used it, and so therefore they've had their Terraform expert in there, and we've you, we've added Terraform modules into our pipelines to help do deployments and whatnot but I have not actually used uh, Terraform it, itself. So, Brian, what is Terraform? If you had to define Terraform in two sentences, how would you define it?
0: Uh, as far as I know with Terraform having not used it in anger, the whole point of Terraform is to allow you to express using uh, configuration and infrastructure as code semantics, and it allows you to describe in an abstract format the ability to deploy into multiple clouds or on-prem environments. So you can deploy, for example, some type of compute architecture to, say, Azure Virtual Machines as well as Amazon ECS with the same base Terraform template. That's what I think it does.
1: That is exactly right. It is, it, that is exactly right to be able to write some code that can deploy into multiple environments if you need to without having to change your code.
0: Then why do you put me on the spot and ask me if I know what it is when you
1: know the answer? Because that's the that's the that's the, the dynamic we have, that's the back and forth that we have. I put you on the spot, you you immediately are able to pontificate about whatever it is. Because let's face it, if anyone went to VS Live Vegas and went to our workshop, when Brian put me on the spot and said, Mickey, explain something simple, explain packages, Mickey just melted down. I mean, it wasn't even pretty. It was just it was, well, it was just
0: funny bad. No, it was really
1: so funny. Mickey, when he first got it started, used to just like sweat profusely. Whenever you get on stage, you'd be so nervous. And here lately, I've done really good. I get on stage. I'm fine. I don't sweat. I don't do anything that particular day. You would have thought somebody had turned a hose on me.
0: It was really funny. This is Mickey requires a little more. Um, Mickey works really hard to study, and learn things, but until he's presented it a couple of times, he doesn't. He doesn't have that zen moment. And so his, it, it, it's funny cause he'll, you, you'll work with him one on one and he's fine, but he gets up on stage cause we've been working on the, playing with the, the packages stuff for a couple of weeks and it was all good to go. And then the minute he got up there, he just like, he just melted. It was, it was,
1: I wrote the demos. I mean, I wrote the, the, the work, the, the workshop and it worked great, but yeah, you yeah. yeah, wrote this, that full module. It was fine. This link is about using Terraform modules from Git in Azure DevOps. So, and a module basically allows you to package your Terraform code and your logic into a reasonable unit of work, which you could then share with other people. So, and if you're building these modules, you should be version controlling these modules. So, this this article by Sam Kogan is is about how you can do those kinds of things. Tying it back to our Terraform talk and not Mickey's complete meltdown on stage. Let's just skip that.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, just recall, you brought it up, not me. I did indeed bring it up. Now, Brian, do you contribute to any open source projects?
0: Uh t- t- technically, yes. Indirectly, but not actively, no.
1: Do you run any open source projects? I do not at this point. I don't either. Um I don't know why I've necessarily never done that. I just I haven't. Have you heard of GitHub sponsors? I have. Why don't you tell people though about GitHub sponsors, Mickey? So GitHub sponsors is a way to help. Thanks for putting me on the spot, Brian. GitHub sponsors is a way to help um, people that, that run these open source projects continue to be able to run these open source projects. Let me explain what I mean by that. Most of these open source projects that people run are, they do it because they love it and they do it because it's, you know, they, they, they were trying to solve a problem and then that problem apparently turned out to be a problem. Lots of other people needed solved. And so people started using their code in lots of other things. In fact, you'll find that probably 90% of the code that's out there in the world includes open source components in some form or fashion. So GitHub Sponsors was designed to allow you to be able to sponsor some of these people that are running these open source projects. So basically, it's kind of like a GoFundMe. It's kind of like for these different GitHub projects. And by sponsoring these projects, there are some people out there now They have quit their day job, and all they do is, you know, provide updates to their current open source projects. Because let's face it, all these people did this for fun on their nights and weekends. So they've got a huge list of issues, a huge list of new things they want to add that they just haven't had time to add. So I've got a link in the show notes called Getting Started with GitHub Sponsors that, Gives you some information about GitHub sponsors and also gives you some information on how you can start contrib- start being a sponsor for someone if that's something you're interested in doing.
0: Well, look, if I could come up with some open source project that is so popular that I could quit my day job through sponsorships, that'd be awesome, but I just don't see that happening for me. But there might be
1: some of our listeners who could. Exactly. So this is definitely something that you, that you should be, should be checking out in my opinion. Awesome sauce.
0: Well, uh, let's see. Yeah, one more.
1: One more link. There's one more link you want to talk about? I got the... one more link I want to talk about here, which is a link that Martin Woodward put out called Open Collaboration on COVID-19. And this is a blog post that, that, that Martin put out about, um, some different areas where you can find information data sets on COVID-19 that then you could potentially use in your own way that you might want to use it. And it's just a, it's a, it's a blog post full of just a ton of different links to COVID-19 dashboards, to uh, repositories where people are, are pulling numbers from different countries to, to, be, to where then you could pull that together to build your own kind of dashboard if you wanted to. It's just it is a great resource of COVID-19 information, especially for developers.
0: Well, that's really cool. And Martin's a good guy. Martin is uh, someone we know for years. He started out as an MVP. He worked at a little company called SourceGear that built a tool that let non-Windows users, uh, specifically people using Eclipse, to work with the Team Foundation Server. Then Microsoft bought that company. Martin joined up and he's been involved with what is now Azure DevOps for years and now most recently he's moved over to GitHub in an official capacity as the director of developer relations or something like that.
1: That is correct. Director of Developer Relations.
0: So Martin's a good jo- Martin is a really good job. Uh I think you need to do edits, Mickey, even though you won't do edits. Nope, but no edits. Martin is a really good guy.
1: Oh, interesting thing before, since we're talking about the COVID-19 and dashboards and such, I saw a a video today that was interviewing this 17-year-old boy that created a COVID-19 dashboard, one of the first ones out there that is now being used by, he gets, he said, over 300 million hits a day on his COVID-19 dashboard. And he was offered $8 million to put advertising on it, and he refused. $8 $8
0: million and he said no?
1: Yes. He built this debt because he said, uh, if I remember correctly, he said, I've got plenty of time in my future to make money, and I wanted to make sure people got access to the data and weren't just um, inundated by ads.
0: Well, that's awesome. The dashboard I've been using lately, um, I use the John Hopkins one a lot. But then I really like the one that the Bing team has created. It has a really nice drill down. and I just like the way they did the UI there. So I've been using that um, to track my local area, which sadly in the county I live in, we're at 530 uh, total cases with 16 fatalities, which makes me super sad. The last data I got about my own town, uh, thanks to the Los Angeles Times, they posted that we have 14 known cases in the little town I live in.
1: I try not to look look at the dashboards. I I tend to read my news about once a day and and try to keep up on things, but I can't look at the numbers because the numbers just really just send me into a tailspin.
0: All right. Well, then you should have done that item probably the first. That way we could finish on a high note about, you know.
1: Oh, but we're going to finish on a high note because it's my favorite part of the show where we talk about what we can't let go of. And I'm going to let Brian go first. Brian, what can't you let go of this week?
0: Okay, well, the first thing that's not on the list that Mickey sees is that
1: I'm going to try to do a
0: better job of setting up our markdown. I apologize to any of our listeners. Um, I got a bug report from uh, one of our listeners in the great country of South Africa. Um, You know who I'm talking about? I'm this is sucks. I'm going to sc- forget his name. And now Mickey's really going to have to edit this because it sounds nope. so stupid. So we got it from a listener.
1: We can just leave it at that.
0: You know, I can't let my OCD go like that. It was from, oh, son of a gun.
1: So I'm watching Brian as he struggles to use a computer to find the listener name.
0: It's It just freaks me out that I can't remember this.
1: I'm interested to know who it is because he acted like I should know who it is.
0: You should. It's one of our fellow MVPs.
1: The only, the only MVP I know from Gordon. South Africa is Gordon. Oh, Gordon. Okay, I know Gordon.
0: Okay, so thank you to Gordon Beming, who is an Alem Ranger MVP out of South Africa and I believe it's even German. He sent me a bug report saying that in our wrap-up notes, I've got some messed up markdowns. So I'm going to apologize to everybody for that. And in doing so, I will fix them when we publish this episode. So you might get an update, and I apologize for any noise it creates in your uh podcast listening tools. But um yeah, I'm gonna try and fix that. But basically I screwed up the escaping and so it duplicated made it look ugly. So I'm sorry about that. So I can't let go of that. My OCD will not let me let go.
1: Understood.
0: But on the happier notes, uh, tooling wise, uh, I've been using a tool called Postman for over two or three years. Uh, it is a great tool for working with REST APIs. And so I use it a lot when I program Azure DevOps, but most recently I'm using it because I work with some code we've written that runs as part of Azure functions and I have Azure functions exposed both as HTTP triggers which is a natural for Postman, but I also have some timer triggers, which means they run based upon a cron job schedule. And it turns out that there is an admin endpoint that your function publishes so that you can call it, and Postman makes that really easy. So really love using Postman. And then I have one of my favorite beverages I was able to get for home. So normally my wife does not allow me to keep uh, carbonated beverages at home because it doesn't help my figure. Um, so occasionally I'll have one when I go out. Now I've given up Coke and Pepsi. i am gone on five years now, um, so I don't drink them at all. I'm kind of religious about that. On the other hand, occasionally I have a ginger ale or some, you know, in, when I'm in Texas, I'll usually have a barbecue Dr. Pepper. Um, but I've been drinking these San Pellegrino uh, Italian sparkling drinks. And, i uh, post a link to one that I drink today, which is Aranciata Rosa. I'm probably butchering the name so any Italians could send me an audio <laughs> file how to say it correctly, but I'll include a link to the show notes. Absolutely delicious. A uh, little high on the sugar count, 130 uh, calories total. But, oh, as a little treat when you want something carbonated, oh, just love those a lot. So that's that's what no, What's the flavor?
1: About. What's the flavor of that? Because I like just the orange one. They've had an orange one before that I like.
0: This is sparkling blood orange. So they have sparkling blood orange. They have regular orange. They have an orange with prickly pear. Um, so they've got a variety of flavors that you can
1: get. Interesting. Okay. So what about you, Mickey? So Martin Woodward, who you've heard us mention earlier, he tweeted out last week a picture um, of his office. So he has a, a home office that he has built at basically the other end of his land in Ireland. So he lives in Ireland on a farm. No, he does not live in Northern Ireland. Ireland. He lives in Northern, Northern Ireland. My apologies. Again, most people know I'm geographically challenged. So but he lives in Northern Ireland and he lives on a farm and he built himself an outside office that's at the end of this field. And he sent a picture of it saying, you know, my my home office and it's way off in the distance. So I, I went at, at Martin and I said, Martin, I need to see, I think we need a picture, a video of you walking to your office. And so the next day, Martin posted a video saying, this is for you, Mickey. And it's a two minute video of him walking to his office. Apparently it's up a hill. Didn't look like it was up a hill when, when in the picture, but apparently it's up a hill. We walk by his garden. He shows his greenhouse. Then he gets to the right by his office, turns around and starts pointing out like, um, um, landmarks. Like over to the right here is where the the giants threw down a piece of land, and over to the left, if it was a little more um one is me clouds, you'd be able to see Flemish or Fleming or wherever the 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 wherever um St Patrick got rid of the snakes and then he goes in his little office, which is out which is outside, which is a cute little office that he's built. but I just thought it was a great video, plus he shouts out to me at the beginning of it, so that's always kind of cool so I've got a link to that in the show notes. Do you see that?
0: Yes, I did. I've I've really enjoyed that. Um uh, I've been lucky enough. I've as I said I've been blessed to have a call Martin a friend for years. And oh it's going on I'll have to dig out the pictures, but at least six years that I went over, I was over in the UK for work in London and I took a couple of days, flew over to Belfast, because uh, he lives uh, outside of Belfast and went and visited his house with his wife and children. Um and then we went out uh and did a little sightseeing. I was lucky enough to having been there the time before though in two thousand seven when my brother and I went over on a holiday to see U2 in Amsterdam and Dublin. And on that trip, Martin came down, picked us up, and we went up and went up to his house then, but also got to go up to a place called Valley Castle and uh, me and my brother and Martin had our first lock-in. So for those of you from the UK and from uh Ireland, uh, a lock-in uh, is something that a lot of you probably have experienced. So it was a, a big blast for friends from America. But, yes, Martin's house is idyllic in, in where it sits in this farmland. Yet, on the other hand, he's got, you know, Internet so he can work and do his business for GitHub and Microsoft.
1: It is on my bucket list to go visit Martin in Northern Ireland. That is on my bucket list for sure. It's a must. Now, the other thing I can't let go of is a drink, just like Brian's. However, it's Mountain Dew Zero. So Diet Mountain Dew has always been out there. But the key with Diet Mountain Dew is it actually still has one carb in it. So But you have to drink 16 ounces of Diet Mountain Dew to get that one carb. If you drink 12 ounces, which is in a can, it has... It has less than a carb, so they can put zero carbs on the can. Now, just like with Diet Coke, Diet Coke actually has one carb in it, but that's why they have Coke Zero, which has no carbs. So Mountain Dew Zero just came out, which has zero carbs. So I've been drinking Mountain Dew Zero, and I like it. It's really good. But a friend of mine sent me a a picture a couple of days ago. Have you ever been to Taco Bell, Brian?
0: Sadly, yes. And I, just to be clear, I have not gone in years, even though my mother-in-law likes to take my children there, I do not eat Taco Hell.
1: So Taco Bell had a version of Mountain Dew called Baja Blast that you could only get at Taco Bell as a fountain drink. Well, apparently Mountain Dew has decided to release Mountain Dew Zero Baja Blast. So I have put that in my Instacart for this week. I'm hoping it shows up tomorrow, and then I'll be able to report back in the next podcast on how the Mountain Dew Zero Baja Blast tastes.
0: Okay. Now, the key thing about this is be aware it will cost you more calories. A medium drink from Taco Bell has 10 calories.
1: Zero calories. Mountain Dew Zero, zero calories.
0: Well, not according to the Baja Blast link. I'm going to include a link in the show notes. Hold on. So right, it's Mountain Dew,
1: Baja Mountain Blast, zero, zero
0: sugar. Look.
1: Oh, zero Baja Blast. I believe you. we are take having ten, a, an argument. Real we're having an positive. argument over the internet. <laughs> Here, Mountain Dew. Go to the link that I
0: just sent you and you'll see. It's 10 <laughs> calories for a medium. It's 15 for a large.
1: I'll take the calories. It's still zero carbs. So I'm okay with the calories. I can deal with the calories. But what I really want, Mountain Dew, if you're listening and you'd like to sponsor our show, that's cool too. But if you're listening, what I really want is Mountain Dew Zero Code Red and Mountain Dew Zero Live Wire, which is the orange version of Mountain Dew. Because they don't make a diet Code Red anymore, and they don't make a diet Live Wire orange version at all.
0: Well, hopefully one of our listeners knows someone at Mountain Dew that can help us out. And I'll be very clear, if anyone from San Pellegrino wants to sponsor us, uh, we, you can pay me in cans of uh, Aranciata Rosa or any of the other wonderful flavors, except for grapefruit. I
1: can't do the grapefruit. I could do the grapefruit. So if, we, if you got to send us a blast of it, then we can kind of split it out and share.
0: Yeah, we'll work it out.
1: We'll, we'll work you out some very favorable arrangements.
0: <laughs> well, on that bombshell, I think it's time for a wrap-up. So you can find me at blog.brianrandall.com. Twitter is the best way to get me, at Brian Randall. And, of course, email brianr at ncwtech.com.
1: And you can find me at mickeygousset.com or at Twitter at mickey underscore gousset. You will rip my underscore out of my cold, dead hands. You can email me at mickey.gousset at microsoft.com. Eh, but honestly, you just need to hit the show notes because you're probably going to misspell my name.
0: And, of course, you can access everything about the show at devops.fm. We're at DevOpsFM on Twitter if you only want to get show notifications. And you can email us with ideas about the show and other things if you want to share it in private via the show at DevOps.FM. So as always,
1: send us an email and let me know your favorite Mountain Dew drink. Or hit me up on Twitter and let me know your favorite Mountain Dew drink. Or even better, hit me up on Twitter and include Brian and let us know your favorite Mountain Dew drink.
0: On that bombshell, thanks for listening, folks. Be good humans.
1: Bye, everybody. Now I want some Mountain Dew.
0: Uh, I want another one of my drinks, but I can only have one a day. So you've got some static coming through on your end, and I don't know what's causing I it.
1: I got my phone is off, and I got nothing else in here but just my standard recording equipment. Do you ever lose cable by chance or something? Because you're getting static when you're you're talking. Especially when you're
0: talking closer to the mic.
1: Weird. I don't know. I'll have to readjust everything. So sorry, everybody, for if, if there's issues with the sound recording. See, it did it right
0: there, just as right you. Right here,
1: as I get closer? Yeah. What about now? Is it doing yep. it? Still doing it. Okay. So, well, hey, all that noise you hear is me futzing around with my headset. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the after party, everybody. All right, I'll have to play with my... My equipment a little bit. Well,
0: and we'll record again next week and get on a better cadence and everything. Because
1: my I don't kids promises we can't keep.
0: Oh, we can keep those, because you know finally things have settled down. But my children are home the rest of the academic year. So if they go back to school and school's open, it won't be until August of this year.
1: Yeah, mine don't go back to August either. Um, and the summer camp that my kids usually go to, the theater camp that's been going for thirty-five years and hasn't missed a year. Is canceled this year.
0: They just they just don't think it's gonna.
1: The, well, it's it's on the Mississippi State University campus, and Mississippi State University has decided that that they don't want any. They may not even have summer school at Mississippi State University, but even if they do, they don't want anything extra on the campus where that could cause issues for people. And just this whole COVID nineteen thing sucks big time. Ooh ooh ooh! But guess what I'm playing right now, Brian? I have found. So there's a board game that I've loved called Starfleet Battles, which was basically a Star Trek kind of board game. And it was a board game where you had like Enterprise ships and you had other ships and you fought and stuff. Um But I found a game that's similar to it called FTL, Faster Than Light. It came out in 2012 and it's kind of given me that it's a it's a game you can play in pieces and it's kind of given me that that Starfleet Battles kind of feel I can play it for like 15 minutes and then save it and come back and play it so I'm really kind of enjoying that
0: well that's cool yeah we've been uh, like I said I'm trying to get to get my Fortnite skills up a little better and then I ordered a couple more games and my kids have the Xbox Ultimate Game Pass I got that them for Christmas they've got a couple more months left on that
1: that's where I got uh, FTL because oh, I, have, you? I have the Ultimate Game Pass, so I actually can play uh, Xbox games and I get the Windows 10 PC games. So that's where I found FTL.
0: Ah, got it. Okay, well, I have a card for myself that I haven't redeemed, so I was going to do that. And I've also got a copy of the Witcher game because I wanted to play that and watch the show on Netflix
1: since I haven't watched that. So I didn't play the game, but I watched the show, and the show was really good. I'll be interested to talk to you about the show once you watch it.
0: Okay. Did you take advantage of the free CBS offer so that you could binge Picard? No,
1: because I'm no, I may not get through it in time. So
0: how can you not get through it? It's 10 episodes, uh, 40 minutes each. Because uh, with,
1: with work and then trying to get my YouTube stuff done and trying to get my, my audible stuff done by the time I go to, and I'm not, by the time I go to bed, I'm ready to just go to bed. Remember, I used to watch shows when I exercised. Well, unfortunately, Mickey's not exercising very much anymore. So well, that's also a problem.
0: So that's interesting. So I had a call yesterday with my business partner, Ken Getz, who is it's hard to get him to do any real work anymore because well he's he's older and closer to retirement, but he's frustrated because he can't go to the gym. So he has just ordered a bowflex device, I'm trying to see here it is. he got himself the bowflex max trainer m eight and it looks like it causes a lot of pain and suffering um as far as I could tell.
1: well, I have no excuse i mean i have I have lots of dumbbell weights here that I could use, and I could go walk the neighborhood I'm just not however interesting enough, because I am kind of quarantined and we're not I'm not eating out it's um I'm kinda eating keto even more than I was. So even though I'm not exercising, I'm still losing weight. I'm now down to less than I was last time I did keto hard and heavy. Oh, well that's good to hear. So yeah, I'm, I'm on my way of hitting my I had a goal of twenty twenty of getting under two hundred pounds and I'm I'm about ten pounds away.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, my big thing is I have not gained weight. I've just I've been maintaining and that is through probably sheer luck of the fact that I was walking. We're having rain all this week, which is making it hard, because there are breaks when I could go for a walk, but they've been when I've been on calls and working. And then I get off my call, walk out, it's pissing rain. So we'll see how it goes.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for hanging out for the after show. Appreciate it. talk to you later. Be good humans. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.